I will go back to the UN and be as enthusiastic and as passionate about the role of Canada and the role of the UN in the world. We need the UN more than ever in the world. That was Canada's ambassador to the United Nations, Marc-André Blanchard, yesterday after learning Canada failed to get a seat on the UN Security Council. Let's bring in Carleton University Associate Professor Stephanie Carvin for her perspective on what this means and the road moving forward. Thank you so much for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me on. What's your response to the loss of, of the uh, not getting the seat yesterday? Uh, it wasn't that surprising. Uh, there had been some last-minute scrambling by the government uh, over the last six months. Certainly, it's something that uh, the foreign minister, Francois-Philippe Chantang, had spent a lot of time working on. And I had heard you know, from some diplomats in Ottawa that they thought Canada might have pulled it off. But clearly, that was not the case. Um, and yeah, I mean, Canada has basically, you know, we like to think of ourselves as this kind of international facing country. But the reality is we haven't really had a, a strong foreign policy in decades. And our global presence has been shrinking. We have uh, cut our foreign aid. We have shut down embassies. And this is kind of the result of that. Um, can, you know, clearly the international community does not feel Canada deserves to be at the table. So what do you think went wrong in the campaigning? Because here on the one hand, we had a prime minister who was touting the phrase Canada is back uh, for five years plus spending millions of dollars trying to get this seat. What was the the big mistake or mistakes do you think in that campaign? Um, I think there's a number of things, some of which were definitely uh, the government's fault and some of them which weren't. Uh, So let's start with what wasn't their fault. Uh, That was really the fact that I think the Trump administration has sucked all the oxygen out of the room. Um, Our kind of foreign policy focus has really just been that of survival. Uh, We have put our best and brightest minds to surviving uh, NAFTA, whatever new NAFTA is. I think it's the USMCA uh, or Kuzma, as we like to call it. Uh, So that uh, basically, uh, you know, we've put our best and brightest minds towards that. And other areas of our foreign policy have suffered as a result. Uh, We have also not put, uh, again, you know, when you say Canada is back, what does that mean? I, you know, I was comparing it the other day. As soon as they allowed us to here in Ontario visit our family, I went to stay with my family, and I was back in my room. <laughs> I was back with my family doesn't mean I was doing anything. Um, so, you know, it, it 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 was a kind of meaningless phrase that uh, I think has kind of come to haunt the government. So, and I think really the third thing is that the government never articulated. I think either domestically or internationally a rationale for why we should have the seat. It really didn't explain what Canada was going to do. It kind of gave some lip service to the idea of of promoting women and the environment and and stuff like this. But there was never really any sense of purpose. And I think that wasn't communicated well internationally, and it definitely wasn't uh, communicated well domestically. And and really, the whole thing just fell apart in, in a very... Uh, unfortunate way. And and I know I'm asking you to kind of uh, look into a crystal ball here, but what do you think the conversations were then? Like you said, they never, it was never really defined. What does that mean? Canada's back. So here we have the prime minister who's making dozens of phone calls with all of these leaders. What do you think he was talking about on the phone? I think he was trying to make a case um, and talking about how Canada wants to engage more, how it wants to do more things. And, and you know, that's great, but that's what he should have been doing in 2015, not 2020. And uh, that clearly wasn't happening. Uh, there, was, there really wasn't any 
since, you know, the thing is, when, you, when you're applying for these seats, you can't just come in at the last minute. And, and to a certain extent, coming in uh, 2015, 2016 is actually considered the last minute for these kinds of votes. You need to basically plan uh, almost a decade in advance to run a campaign like this. So both Ireland and Norway had already announced their, uh, their candidacy, had already announced the fact that, you know, and had already gotten a number of countries to pledge their support in advance, even before we entered the race. So, I mean, this is, this is how late we were. So it didn't really matter that we were making these phone calls. But also, you're dealing with a prime minister who, you know, for all of this talk of changing Canadian foreign policy and re-engagement in the world, has not delivered on that front really at all. Uh, our embassies remain closed. Uh, you know, I, I don't think uh, Christian Freeland visited Africa at all during her time, and Africa votes in these elections. So uh, this is, again, unfortunately, the consequence of, of kind of us ignoring foreign policy, thinking that, you know, oh, everyone likes Canada, Canada, you know, why wouldn't they vote for us? But, you know, we're, we're kind of, um, we're, we're a little stale. Yeah, being polite doesn't isn't enough to get you uh, all the seats or to get you everything you want. Do you think the prime minister p- played too much or relied too heavily on simply the idea that here I am, this progressive leader, I'm not Stephen Harper? Well, in, for the lack of any other rationale for the seat, you kind of have to suspect that was the reason. I think there was this idea that, you know, Canada is inherently internationalist, uh, liberal country that is going to go out there and do and do progressive things. And we have a track record of doing, and, and this is true. We do have a very good track record of, of making very good contributions internationally. But that was two decades ago. So I don't know. I mean, like honestly, it's like I I look I look at this for a living. And if you ask me what the rationale was for us having a seat on the UN Security Council, I couldn't tell you what it was, other than the fact that the U, that the Liberals put it in their campaign promise in 2015. And even then, they didn't articulate a rationale for it. So, it, honestly, it's really hard to see this as anything other than a, you know, I'll use a big word here, vainglorious exercise by the government to be like, hey, look, we delivered where Stephen Harper couldn't. And then to lose worse than Stephen Harper did uh, is, is nothing short of pretty embarrassing. <laughs> um, but that's, uh, that's what we get. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, the fact is, look, I want to be clear. There's, there's, a lot, there's been a lot of skepticism of the UN recently, particularly on social media, accusing it of all kinds of things that it's not really up to. This institution and inter-global international institutions are under attack generally. And, but, and there's worth to us being there and there's worth to having these seats. But you don't just get them for, for having good hair. You get them because you uh, offer something, because you, know, you get them because people recognize that you've been there, that you've been doing things for a number of years that, that help make the world a better place. And frankly, we haven't done that. Um, and, and, that's, and that's the reality of, of this situation is that, you know, w- the government really could have used this as an opportunity to, to rethink Canadian foreign policy, which is something, frankly, it should have done in 2015, 2016. And it should have been working towards certain concrete goals. And most importantly, explaining to Canadians why all of this is important, because I think a lot of people just they're like, you know, my parents, they didn't know that we were even going up for a vote until this morning. So, you know, it's 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 an important thing and we're just not doing it. All right, Stephanie, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for your time this morning. Hey, thanks for having me on. That is Stephanie Carvin, assistant professor at the Norman Patterson School of International Affairs at Carleton University.